The Midwife Crisis Podcast will touch on sensitive topics regarding the human body, sexuality, pregnancy, and all aspects of women's health care and may not be suitable for all listeners. Bonjour, I'm Kate. You're French? Sometimes. Since when? <laughs> Hola, I'm PR. Hola. And yes, I do speak Spanish at home. And this is the Midwife Crisis Podcast Microsode, the podcast where you learn it's not just you. I always learn that. Uh, this microsode, of fun ones, are where we answer listener emails, readdress previous episodes, and, you know, just give you a little taste of us between our larger episodes. Today we'll discuss how we want to dip our toes into some larger waters. We're hoping for lots of feedback from you guys out there before we take the deep dive into the murkier parts. And we will explain that as we go on. But speaking of deep dive and murky waters, mm. I'm going to sidetrack just a moment on the topic of water and swimming. And did you know that a lot of black people, women in particular, don't know how to swim? I did not. You, you know, I didn't know that, but we just were in Louisiana and we went on a kayak trip and there was um, a uh, person of color that was male, I believe. He didn't tell me, but I'm assuming. Um, and he flipped his kayak and he was like panicking in the water, but he had a life jacket on and he was okay and he was fine. But maybe he didn't know how to swim. I, I was just thinking he was panicked because he was like in the bayou, but maybe he didn't know how to swim. You mean in the bayou, afraid of alligators? Right, exactly. Probably that too. But for for those of us with any kind of hair, long hair, short hair, hair, especially from not so much more recently as it was, you know, the previous generation, my generation, uh, we didn't go in the water a lot because we couldn't get our hair wet because it was styled in a particular way and that would ruin our hairstyle. Oh. We went through a lot of trouble to get our hair straightened and to get it to get it all done up for whatever occasion or just on a regular basis. And once you let the rain hit it, you mm. let the water hit it, anything, it just undid the whole thing. And so that meant no swimming. I don't think I ever noticed that. Although uh Maybe in a similar fashion, my Nana used to get her hair set once every like week or two weeks and also could not get her hair wet. And also, I don't, I'm not sure if she knew how to swim, so. Well, probably a little bit different, your Nana. But anyway, <laughs> um, I didn't learn to swim until I was 50. And I, I didn't know that. Yeah. So my best friend, Francis, who's also in book club, we signed up for a kayak trip with some friends of ours from the hospital, from mine. Now they're her friends too. And they said, we're going kayaking. And I said, I want to go. And they said, you can't come. You don't know how to swim. Almost taunting me. Uh. And I said, I am. I'm going to put my money down and I'm going. And they said, you can't swim. You're not. So I talked her into doing it and we put our money down and we signed up for the kayak trip. And then we said, oh, snap. We don't know how to swim. Oh, my god! So we took, we had to take these swim lessons, which we did very intensively. And um, the woman who taught us was a wonderful teacher. 
She had been a swim teacher, a swim coach. She had swam, swam competitively um, as a, you know, as a child. And at that point, hair was not an issue for me. And I'll explain in a little bit why. But um, we went, we learned how to swim. And then we went on this trip in the Caribbean kayaking. When we told the entire group who was from across the United States and Canada that we just learned how to swim, they all rolled their eyes and went, oh, because they felt that we would hold them up with the kayaking and with the snorkeling and with all the water activities. And so because of that, we did something really evil. (laughs) The first time we got into the water, we said, oh, the water's really cold. (laughs) And we put our toes in and I said, I don't really know if I want to. And then, you know, my hair is long and it's going to get wet and take a long time to dry. And people were like, we could hear them like putting their heads together and talking about us. And so, and Frances doesn't have this problem with her hair. She's not black. Anyway, um, so we kept going in the water and kind of squealing like you do when you don't want to get in. And then finally, we took a dive and we just started swimming. And they they all said, so we went for a swim and then we swam way out far and we swam back and they said, you you guys swim like fish. <laughs> and how did you learn how to do that? And then we said, you doubted us, did Aww. you? So it was very interesting and fun and that's sort of a side story. I love but that. But this, this is real. This struggle with the hair is real <laughs> for us. And so this is some of the murky waters that I'm talking about, just sort of uh, misconceptions yeah. and miscommunications and perceptions that you have that are may not be accurate about the one or another community. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of a long way around, um, you know, the whole conversation that we're going to have, uh, spend an entire episode on. Yeah. Leading, speaking of the whole hair conversation, one time I saw you and I said... <laughs> Uh, why is, you know, it's kind of cold outside and why is your hair wet? Like you were rushing like that to come in with your hair wet. And you said. I said, it's not wet. It's greasy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I yeah. was, I was stunned. I said, it, it, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was like, I'm on like day three. And you were like, oh. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Okay, if you don't wash your hair for three days, that's how it's going to look. Meanwhile, we don't wash our hair. And some of us, if if you have some extensions or some weave-in or something, it might not be three months. Yeah. So it's just very interesting, the whole cultural issues around hair. And that's not what our whole episode (laughs) is going to be about, but it's just sort of this is us dipping our toes into the water on cultural discussions. Yeah, actually, later that night, we were um, celebrating PR's birthday and having some apps and having some laughs. And I said something about, remember when you had your braids? And she said, I never had braids. <laughs> said, I, never not, had I braids. didn't have braids since I was like a youngster. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. And I didn't had... know you then. You weren't born. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. You had those long braids. And she says. They were locks. My hair was locked. It wasn't braided. Which if you've ever had locks and you're a person, anyone who's ever had locks, especially a person of color, it takes a lot of work 
to get the locks going, to, to get to get them started, to keep them going, to keep to groom them and care for them. And you're very proud about that. Yep. A braid is just three parts of your hair braided up. Yeah. And so that doesn't take a whole lot of work. And um, I took a little bit of a back. I was like, my locks, there was a lot of work that went into those eons. You call them braids. And I thought that I, so I had this misconception that, you know, for me, I would be like, you know, I think of dreadlocks as sort of like fat and sometimes frizzy and things like that. And I just, I I didn't, they were so clean and perfect and all exactly the same, you know, thinness. And I, I didn't, I just didn't know. Um, and I think we definitely laughed about it and we said, okay, here we are twice tonight having, you know, sort of hair misconceptions. And they were such a surface, you know, issue, but it brought to light the fact that we both think of ourselves, I think, as pretty, you know, culturally woke for each other. You know, like we're very like we try. We're buddy buddy and we try and we still were like, what the hell? We don't we don't know and you know, we don't know anything. Right. Um just on the surface, the things that we don't know. Yeah. Which, you know, for a lot of folks, like in my family Dreadlocks, we we call them locks and not dread because mm-hmm. we want to make sure that people understand that there's it's nothing dreaded about right. our. It's not dreadful hair, yeah. <laughs> and so our hair is not dreadful in no way, shape, or form. Yeah, and so we usually just we say locks. But I know that um, I I don't take offense to people saying dreadlocks because I know that that's sort of how they are, what they're accustomed to hearing, and but I do when I get an opportunity with someone. Who's in, I'm in a trusting relationship with, and they can, I can take the time to explain mm-hmm. that you know my hair's not dreadful, so yeah, um, I just call it locks. We don't, it's okay. I don't have my hair isn't like that right now. It's just in its natural state, and it's very interesting when I cut the locks out of my hair. People hadn't seen me without them for a long time, and they said. One person actually said to me, can I touch your hair? And she and she didn't wait for my response. Oh. This person was white and she just put her hands in my hair. And I took a little bit of a, you shouldn't touch people. At least that's yeah. a cultural thing yeah. for us without permission. I mean, she asked for permission and then she just. Right. Just did it without permission. She just used her <laughs> privilege and did what she wanted. Yeah, that's. Yeah. So I uncomfortable. Didn't, so after she did that, this is really crazy. I shaved my head. Mm. I shaved it all off. And I she looks super cute with literally any hair, by the I way. Don't... Shaved, no hair at all, short hair like now, dreads, like so cute, so beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. I felt some kind of way about it. So I shaved it all off and I started over. Well, you know what? Anyways, that's sort of a, but those yeah. are the kind of things that sometimes. People in the larger community or in the white community, they don't necessarily understand, but uh, there are things that really matter yeah. sort of um, to us. Like you didn't really, I don't know, I guess you didn't care that I thought your hair was wet and it was greasy. <laughs> I was pretty mortified because as <laughs> because as me, you know, like my hair looking greasy, like you should see the stuff that I do trying to keep my hair to not look greasy. You know, like I'm like not going to use as much product. I'm going to do this and this type of shampoo and then dry shampoo. And then, you know, just all the ways I try to like mask it. And she's just like, whoa, your hair's so wet. And I was like, oh, God, kill, kill me. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> 
Well, so, I'm glad I got to say that to you yeah. and not say. So when I see someone else with their hair in that state, <laughs> I don't say anything. So if they go outside in the freezing cold with their hair wet or greasy Good or luck. whatever, they're on their own because I'm not in a relationship with them to be able to address it. But now I can understand that maybe it's not even wet. It's just they need to go get in the shower and shampoo it up. <laughs> so that's sort of, you know, a thing. It's anyway. a thing. Yeah, it is. And it's a it's sort of a surface thing of uh, an everyday thing that we'd like to get into a little bit more as it pertains to um, the people that we take care of. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the purse, the purse, the purse. We want to talk about the purse. I don't know. The purse is your story. So if you want to. All right. So. Let's we're going to skip the purse because we could talk about the purse when we do our bigger episode if we want to. Okay. Um, if you want. Okay. I don't want to tell your story. It's your story. Okay. Um, but so on our bigger episode, we're going to talk more about how issues like this affect our career and are, are deeply, you know, sort of embedded in midwifery. And, uh, you know, if for me as someone who uh, is part of the queer community or even just by being an ally, I find that people automatically sort of assume that I'm an expert, maybe similarly to how people assume that you're an expert in all things. You Black know, part or of, Latinx. Right, and, right. And so yeah. um, it's it's sort of like a heavy burden to bear and sometimes makes you feel a little bit... Um, you know, like almost like the the little like sideshow, you know, like people will be like, oh, well, we'll just ask Amanda, you know, because she's she's into that. And it's like, I mean, of course I am. You know, I'm I'm a part of the community and I'm an ally and I want to educate where I can, but I'm by no means an expert. And, you know, I can definitely tell you, I certainly don't know a lot about the um, cisgender male population um, that's queer. You know, that's not really an area that I'm super familiar with. So, um, so that's something that sort of. Well, I'd like you to hop to it so you can give us a lesson. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm. I mean, yeah, I'm working on it, but I'm that's just... why I'm always going to. Even you know, my friend Dr. Roskowski, um, who is part of the community as well. The two of us, you know, two queer people went to a LGBTQIA plus you know healthcare seminar because we want to make sure we're being really um, inclusive and and keeping up on those things. Um, and we're always learning. We're always improving, and we really need to encourage our community and our coworkers to do the same. Actually, the other day, one of my coworkers called and said, um, I'd given a talk at our sort of partner or, you know, uh, provider meeting that we'd had about different LGBTQIA plus things that we're going to start implementing in the office that are mm-hmm. important to me, such as asking people their pronouns, asking them how they want to be addressed mm-hmm. um, and using more inclusive language when we're asking health history questions, not just assuming people have a mother and a father, uh, things like that. And uh you know, this provider was really excited to tell me that she had seen one of uh, her patients and she didn't realize it was a former patient. She just said, you look so familiar. You know, you just, I'm, I don't know why I know you. And, and the gentleman said, well, I used to be your patient. Um, and so she had said, you know, we're working on trying to be more inclusive at our practice and, you know, remarked how we hadn't seen this patient in a while. And um, he had said, well, I didn't know you guys were like that. 
you know, I just assumed you were very binary. And that's great. And that's something that we're really trying to change. But just the fact that the provider was sort of like able to, you know, address that and was open to addressing that and really encouraging um, this person to come and, you know, keep up, keep up to date on their care was just really awesome. But it takes, again, it takes more than just me because if it was just me, which sometimes, you know, for a while it had been, people don't know. And I have this little niche population of patients that I care for, but there's this greater population that needs to be, you know, out there. And so it starts with what I told everyone at my job was it starts with the front desk. You know, it starts right there. And I will tell you that there are some people who were uncomfortable with it. You know, people would say things like, well, what do I tell women who ask why there's a man here? And I said, well, first of all, you don't tell them anything because it's not their business. It's not their business. And it's and it's part of HIPAA. And it's part, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And second of all, how many times do you see men here? Fathers, you know, mm-hmm. partners. Um so I think really, because they recognize that that's a trans man, that right. they have feel some kind of way about it. Right. And additionally, I had someone say to me, you know what? I like that. We should be asking patients every time what they how they want to be addressed. Cause Listen, I just got a divorce myself. And when people call me my, you know, ex-husband's last name, I'm like, no, I'm not Mrs. So-and-so. <laughs> yeah. And don't you dare call me that. Sure. So you know what? People change, things change, and we just need to be, you know, more inclusive and also accepting. And um, so so that was a little piece. Additionally, um, you know, we haven't gone quite to this, but even like religious changes, you know, I myself am not particularly uh, religious. I never have been, but, you know, many midwives in the community are. And in uh, the past and in the recent past, there have been sort of upheavals in midwifery communities. So the MANA community, which is like the CPM community um, or CM community, as well as with ACNM, because there's issues with being inclusive. And that includes race and sexual identity and gender and um, and even some religious issues. Um, you know, I once donated to a friend uh, some diapers. Uh, I cloth diapered my babies, but one of my kiddos, when he was potty training, I had to use one package of disposable diapers. Mm-hmm. And I had extras because, thank goodness, he potty trained well. Right. And uh, I needed to do something with them. And you can't donate an opened pack of diapers. Right. And and I knew this person who works in the women's health community was like, oh my God, yeah, give me those diapers. And I didn't realize that they were be given, being given to a crisis pregnancy center. And um, for those of you who don't know, that is a place where people can go where they're pregnant and it makes it seem like any pregnancy. Um, but really it's basically an, like an anti-abortion uh, group. So it's basically about keeping women pregnant sort of at all costs. And because of that, I now get yearly at the end of the year, a newsletter from Ooh. this group. And uh, I I don't know why I do this to myself, but I tend to read it. And the one that I just got last week um, was about the last year. And they were talking about all the you know, things that they've done. And they talked about this woman who came to them who was very upset uh, because she had been told with each pregnancy that she should not get pregnancy pregnant again because she could die and her baby could die. And she was very upset. So she went to this um, pregnancy center who said, don't worry about it. You're going to be absolutely fine. And we took care of her, they said. And, you know, she was out of work because she had all these complications, but, you know, we paid her bills and her baby was severely preterm, but that baby's fine. And, you know, we kept them, you know, together and we got that baby out. And all I could think was, 
that is one person and that is one case. And it sounds like it was quite complicated and it sounds like she's very lucky. And these are all her choices. But to send a newsletter to all these people saying, you know, well, forget medicine and forget, you know, what providers told her we know better um, is frustrating to me. And uh, can you see steam coming out of my ears? <laughs> and I just felt like, and now who's going to be there for her premature child who may yes. or may not have additional needs and who's going to support her and and what happens next time it, when she doesn't survive or if she doesn't survive and and what would they have said if she didn't survive? You know, that that was the will and that's the way the world is supposed to go. I mean, it's it's crazy. And um, so these are all issues that come up all the time. And and the fact that I had gotten sort of roped into this by someone in my community was really like frightening to me because I always think I'm for all people with uteruses, right? I'm right. for, uh, you know, all, all women and all people who have babies or, you know, who have these organs. And yet, you know, maybe this person isn't for those women. And it was upsetting. So yeah, it is. And, uh, Speaking of with regard to the religious community, I have had the conversation with some folks who say that is against my religion, that I would be supportive of same-sex partnerships and of um, anything that has to do with the LGBTQIA um, community mm -hmm. and plus community. And uh, I don't like that the hospital might be asking, are you male are you female are you mm -hmm. how do you want to mm -hmm. um you know um be your gender to be labeled or not labeled at all and that kind of they find that bothersome and i'm for i have to challenge that um i try to do it in a loving way but or as in a respectful way i should say cuz i don't love everybody but i do challenge i say you know actually it's not your job to judge it, I think that that's part of the religion, mm -hmm. part of the the book you read is that you shouldn't be judging. And so if you are in the business in whatever capacity of caring for people, even if it's administrative, even if it's front desk, if you're going to be in that business, you you really should be considering that you want to take all comers and you want to be respectful to all comers and you're not going to shun them. You're not mm -hmm. going to throw shade at them. Yep. That kind of thing. And so um, I think that to not speak to it when you hear it is to be um, complicit. Mm -hmm. Well, that's absolutely true. And it's dangerous, you know, and I'm very thankful that everyone um, in my practice had been has been so receptive, so wonderful is really trying, which is, you know, what we can ask for really is trying. Right. Um, but, you know, what I told them was it is actually life or death when you come in, if you address this person. Um, in the wrong way, because every moment of their life, they're fighting to be who they are. And by negating that, you don't know, like you could lose that life. I mean, suicide rates are very, very high very in this high community. In community, not to yeah. mention the fact that getting preventative care such as PAPs, which look for cervical cancer and mammograms, which look for breast cancer, are very low. And um, so these people are really high risk and we need to keep them in our care circle. So um, anyway, these are just like some of the issues that are going on right now in our community and um, something that we plan to do a, a very large episode on. It may even be two. It may even be two. Part um, one and part two. Yeah. It, and it does. The water is deep, it, but I know how to swim. <laughs> she does probably better than me, you guys, because I just learned by being tossed in a pool. <laughs>
Yeah. No, and then kayaking, I got turned over by the instructor multiple times and like, save yourself. This is, use what I taught you and save yourself. In the Long Island Sound in October. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, it was, it was good. I'm pretty safe. Good. So I know how to swim in these murky waters and I'm continuing to learn because you can always get better at your at your skills and better at your craft and better at your treatment of your fellow person. That's right. And we will be sure to give you guys some warnings. We know that not everyone is here for any political anything and the world is a tumultuous place. And if that's something that you're going to want to skip out on, we'll make sure that you have a heads up at the top of the episode. Amen. Okay. Did you say amen? (laughs) I did. Oh, that's our our very cute new new recording man, right? Is that what you said? Oh, you said amen. Oh, okay. Sorry. I don't I don't go to church. I already told it's you both. that. It's both. It's <laughs> both. Yes. <laughs> Let's go to the self-care corner. Okay. Uh, how have we loved ourselves in the past few weeks? All right. Tell me. Uh, I took a nap. Oh. Despite my home appearing to be ransacked. And I'm going to tell you, um, one of my two of my children live on the West Coast and one of them is coming to visit. Tomorrow, in fact. Which one? The oldest. Okay. So if he, Felipe, if he showed up to, um, you know, the way my house in the condition that it was in, I'm sure he'd want to have me commit it somewhere because (laughs) he's never seen those conditions. And he'd say something's wrong with her. Are there jars of urine? Because if there's not, then you're probably fine. He no jars of <laughs> urine, no old crusty food, but just stuff everywhere. It looks like someone tried to rob me. I'm sure he'd say, "Were you robbed? What happened?" <laughs> but I took a nap in the midst of all that. I just moved the folded clothes to the other end of the sofa, and I just put a blanket on, and I took a nap. It cleared my head. It was really good for me. I was tired, and I said, "You need a nap." I took a nap. I woke up. It wasn't an all-day nap. It was less than an hour. But I got up and I got three major things accomplished. And that was the start. It made me want to get other things accomplished. And I had been dreading even getting started. And I think the lesson also is that the things we dread are never as really as bad as we anticipate that they're going to be. And that doesn't just apply to housekeeping. Yeah. It's all kinds of things in our lives because there are many issues that... Um, that I'm working on and, you know, you kind of procrastinate and you put it mm-hmm. off and you do different things. And so I'm not saying sleep your way through all of that because <laughs> napping is a form of procrastination. But in this case, it was very therapeutic and I suggest it. Make it make sure it's less than an hour and make sure you get up and get going again. That's amazing. I'm pro nap. Definitely. So I'm very happy to hear that. Um, so yeah, so my self-care has been sort of all over the place, but I did just get back from a little vacation, um, that I spent some time with my kiddos, some time, um, away without my kiddos, um, with just my husband. And, uh, it was really, really awesome. It was really nice. We were away like just long enough to kind of enjoy being childless, but also long enough to like seriously miss them um, and to come home and just really, really enjoy them. And, um, you know, something that's coming up is 
PR and I are putting in some extra time uh, now so that we can take a little break um, for the holiday season. And so I think for me, that is huge self-care because yes. it's there's a lot going on. And when, I mean, any everyone's busy in that time, but especially when you're um, a caregiver or a parent or something like that, you have a little bit more, I think, on your plate sometimes. And um, it's about, you know, sort of juggling everything because as a kiddo, um, I don't think you realize that the whole world continues to go on during holiday break. Uh, I, I never really noticed that. I think I was very privileged to not realize that my parents were like still exhausted and going to work and doing, you know, all the things they had to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really trying to give that gift to my kiddos as well because I want them to hopefully, you know, feel a little bit good about you know, as far as I'm concerned, the season to me is about just being with family and, you know, spending time with loved ones and having like a little bit of snuggle time and relaxing time. And I really hope that they um, get that. So that's my sort of future self-care too. Nice. So Very anyway, nice. well, we're going to wrap up um, and we're going to be back after the holidays with some big stuff. Um, so yeah, if you guys liked the episode today, uh, that was a little taste of what's coming. Um, we would like to thank Baobab Tree Studios, our friends, family, and you, everyone who makes this podcast possible. Um, please be sure to subscribe on Spotify and iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Midwife Crisis Podcast or you can email us at midwifecrisispodcast at gmail.com. And we super welcome those emails um, about anything, the good, the bad, the ugly. We're, we're here for it. We, we would love even constructive criticism if you want to add anything we talked about today. For sure, we do. We want that feedback because we want to make this the, uh, the best program that we can provide. And while we're still having a good time, we're going to continue always to have a good time. Yep. I'm just going to cackle for most of it. So until next time, <laughs> I want you to check your breasts. My cousin just got diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I, I always want you to wash your hands, but please, please, please check your boobs. And while you're checking your boobs, take a little break for yourself. Bye. Bye.